Welcome to the Black Light Roundtable. I am your host, Sierra Cobb. Black Light Roundtable is a space that is used for unheard voices of criminal and social justice issues that many face in America today. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy the show. Sponsored by Emancipate NC. And I'm Sierra Cobb. So today's show is based on solitary confinement, um, the effects that it has on the mental uh, activity of the incarcerated. And uh, by me having experiences of being incarcerated myself, I would know that it causes PS- PTSD, high anxiety, and the treatment of the staff is very, very poor. And to what I have seen with other individuals that have been incarcerated, you know, their favorite line with the staff is 15 days, especially disobeying a direct order because they might have an argument with an inmate versus a staff. They have an argument and then they go to is the hole for the punishment. Just just for them they're forcing the opinion. And today, like this really starting to have uh, a psychological warfare with the inmates. And what the government is doing about it is nothing. So they call solitary confinement restrictive housing in the DPS. Down here in North Carolina. Well, let's talk about like the, the many names it has. Because it has more than just restrictive well, yeah. housing. We have restrictive housing. We have special housing units. We have administrative segregation. We have disciplinary segregation. So you, we wonder why we have so many names for a thing that's just, it's all the same. It's, it's nothing different. Like you're in a cell for 22 to 24 hours a day. Well, I think at first it was made to control violent behavior, but then I think that, well, I know that because there's no type of oversight, it was able to get to the level that it is today where you have people um, going to restrictive housing or whatever you want to call it, um, just for simple stuff, like just really ignorant stuff because the CEO officer is mad that some somebody's not listening to them or obeying an order or because they are speaking their mind and then they want to take you in the so home. I, I understand it because it's like, I guess, the, the go-to is to not deal with the person or say that I don't, I don't like them, so this is what I'm going to do to you. You're going to and suffer. I, I feel like that, yeah, I feel like it's very unfair. Like, it's not really equal to when it comes to handling that situation. And I feel like that it should be another out rather than restrictive housing because being inside of a room all day in there for something that for something that you didn't even do or they saying that you did and you know you didn't and you're trying to get some help, the staff is taking up for each other. So it's just like 
filing grievances and trying to get um, uh, trying to get some rectification for that is really unfair. So it's like that they're abusing the restrictive housing when it comes to that, and it's starting a lot of psychological warfare with the individual that's inside of restrictive housing. So, like, what's some of the statistics around the world dealing with solitary confinement? You got that fear? So, coming from the Prison Policy Initiative, they have estimated that 55,000 to 62,000 people spent at least 15 days or more in state and federal prisons in solitary confinement. And a cell, remind you, that is smaller than a parking lot space. Right. A parking lot space. And we know some of them can be extremely narrow. So that's that's what they're in every day for 22 to 25 I hours. Go, I would go crazy inside of a box. <laughs> it's like, I just, inside of a parking space, like, it's a small. Like, I know these people getting listening right now can understand what a parking lot space looks like. And can you so tell you them gotta, what rec time is like? Like, <laughs> So you got enough here in a parking spot as as a sale, but what is rec? What is rec like? So it's like rec is like when you come out for an hour and they shackle and handcuff you, and then they take you inside of a cage as if you was to put a dog in there, like a dog kennel, and it's only so much height. Like I want to say six foot. Three, six foot two, some some of those cages are even smaller than that where you have to sit Indian style and spend your hour inside of that red cage. So just like you're being treated as if you were an animal. And your movement is very limited. Um, you don't get to use the phone. Um, not, none of that. And, you get to, and your tray is served through a slot like a little mini door. It's hard to do a slide. That's their right time. You know, but as I remember, and even in the prison DPS policy book, it states that you're still supposed to get one phone call. It used to be every 30 days. So why all of a sudden yeah. you can't get a phone call, but it's still in the policy handbook? Well, they got some prisons that still implement phone calls, but they got a lot of prisons that took them away. Just like this is the TV out of there. So you got a lot, you know, for instance, you got Bertie that has no TV or no phone. You have uh, Warren Correctional that has no TV or no phone. You got just some that they according to the war and they feel like that this is what they want to implement when it comes to their restrictive housing. Not saying that that's what should be done or supposed to be done. So being that I know it's policy that you're supposed to get one phone call, so I guess you know that they're going outside of policy. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that lets you know what mindset that they have to treat the inmates, the individuals that's incarcerated. So, like, restrictive housing is really detrimental to mental health. Instead of them doing that, they need to come up with another outlet. So, Can you kind of you know, somebody. Since you study the brain and how like trauma affects the whole body, not just the brain, but the whole body. Well, yeah, of course it affects the whole body. The way it's affecting the body, at that, because 
you know, you have your brain stems and your mental cortex, which is more on your sense of your sensory being and your emotional. So you're more stuck in an emotional state because you're dealing with anger, depression, and et cetera. And that will bring down your spirits and it will bring uh, stress. Stress it has a very, very much impact on your body. Yeah, it causes you to lose weight, lose appetite, get your sleeper pattern off, so you don't get full sleep for full eight hours. You're constantly on the rampant pace. You're eating a lot, grumpy, or you don't have an appetite, you have brain fog. And let's not talk about hallucinations. Like, how many people hallucinate in a solitary confinement cell every day with nobody to talk to? Yeah. Well, they got this thing where they like to extend. They extend um, your days when they put you on investigation. And most of the time when they put you on restrictive housing, they always want to extend the investigation, which is another 15 to 45 days with no write-up. So that's how they get you in the hole. You know, write up if they want to keep you in the hole and they don't want to give you the write up because they don't really have a reason to give you a write up. So they just put you under investigation so they can give you extended all the way from 15 to 45 days. And then the write up may come that they come with some blocky saying that, hey, he disobeyed the direct order and then that's another 15 to 20 days. The max time you're supposed to get in medium custody will be 60 days. And after they get, they give you anything over the net, supposed to be in icon, but usually they'll let you out the hole and let you be on the yard for probably three, four days and come back and get you to do the backlog time that you have remained. So, yeah, when it comes to that, it has a very, very strong effect on the mental and the, the body, and that causes PTSD, high anxiety, bipolar, schizophrenia, social deprivation, yeah. rejection. So yes, <laughs> this is the detrimental state that you go through in restrictive housing that these prisons have developed for a punishment, but now it's coming to this day, they're using it for just an out. I don't want to deal with you today. You're going to restrict the housing. Oh, you want to argue with me? You're going to restrict the housing. Not because you, you broke the rule or you did something out of policy. This is just their house to not deal with you at all or to make your state even more difficult. Well, let me give y'all some statistics on solitary confinement and post-release deaths. So between 2000 and 2016, a total of 4,600 people died from 10% were opioid overdoses, 16% was homicide, and 6% was suicide. So, and then compare... Suicide went up. Suicide was 6... Now, this is the non-solitary confinement. Opioid overdose was 9%. Um, homicide was 7% and suicide was 4%. It's still lower than solitary confinement, but that just goes to show you just how much 
prison in itself affects your whole body, like your whole mental health, your body. And when people get out, a lot of them die from opioid overdose. Like they get hooked on drugs because they just can't function out here. It's just life is just too moving too fast. You know, when you've been locked down and been locked up for so long. So today, we got some juicy for you. You want to tell them about it, Mr. Cobb? Yeah, we have, a, we have an interview that Sierra did with an individual that's incarcerated about his experience in solitary confinement. And uh, we would like for y'all to tune in and listen so you can understand the experience that's inside of, of solitary confinement. Please let us know what you think. Like, we want to hear what you think about it as well. Hi, how are you? All right, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for taking the time to share your experience with us. We really appreciate that. I know many people don't really like talking about it, but um, we appreciate you. Oh, yeah, this, this needs to be heard. Yes, I agree. Okay, so just start with telling us your name and your location, if you feel comfortable. Uh, my name is Michael Antoine Franz. Uh, I'm at uh, one correctional institution. Okay. All right, Mr. Ryan. So we're going to go into some questions about solitary confinement and what your experience was. So my first oh, question man. is... <laughs> How long have you spent in solitary confinement? Oh, man, I spent three years in, in, in solitary confinement. Do you mind telling us why? I mean, you don't have to, but... Um, I had uh, I had stabbed two officers in an inmate. And I had to do three years in the hole. Um, they, they go from MCON to uh, HCON, from HCON to ICON, from ICON to restrictive housing. And then from, from restrictive housing, go back to close custody and from close custody stay in close custody for like about a good three, four, five years and then they send you back to medium custody if they feel that you that you have married that that to be in medium custody again. Right. So speaking of, um, can you tell us what a day consists of in solitary examples, food, rec time, what's allowed in your cell, what a cell looks like? Oh, man, man, these these cells are real small. Oh man. They they oh man. The commode is hooked up to the sink. And when you're drinking the sink water, it's like you're drinking the commode water. Um, it's got a little window where you can see out of it. And sometimes you can't see out of it to see the outside world. Um, they keep the lights on all day until around about like 10, 30 at night. Has that affected you? Because I've seen a lot of people that just having the lights on continuously has done damages to their mental health. Well, it has, and it's like I said, I, I'm, a, I'm, well, I am mental health, to put it that way, and, um, and, um, it's you affected know, you a lot. I, 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 yeah, I only became mental health when I came to prison, because it'll make you mental health. Yes, I, I totally agree. What is the food like? Oh, man, the food is terrible. I'm talking about really terrible. I'm talking about, at this prison, at this facility, they are hiring people. 
And sometimes you'll have some good people that can really cook, but she'll fire them when they question her, why are they not getting all the necessities they're supposed to have? Okay, like just say, okay, now I'm a cook. And if the kitchen, if this is like a thousand some inmates here and it calls for this amount of food, this woman here don't want to give you the full amount. You see me? Mm-hmm. She want to give you half of it. She want to give you half of it, and then make you stretch it. And then if you question her, she's gonna write you up, and she's gonna fire you. So that Just means like you that. have to make a little bit go a long way for a little while. Yes. And sometimes I told you they run out of food. And then what they'll do then if they run out of food, then they'll come and give the, those guys who haven't had hot meal. They'll come and give them a pack out. What is a pack out? A pack out consists of. This uh, grade C meat, it is the lowest grade of meat on the planet. This is all the scraps that they pick up off the floors and stuff of that mantle, and they put it together and put the glue in it, and then they put it together, and then they pack it, and then they freeze it, and then they cut it up, and then they put it in these little packets. And they call one bologna, they call another one turkey ham, and you get four pieces of bread and maybe an apple or orange, and that's it. Wow. That's disgusting. Mm. What does rec time look like if you even have rec time? Oh, man, you get 45 minutes rest. 45 minutes? Are you in a cage or are you in a, a box? or? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, they put you in a cage. They, they, they take you out in shackles and handcuffs and in chains to put the box on you and take you out, take you out to the room, tote you down the stairs, put you in a little cage, take all that off, and then you sit in this cage and walk back and forth looking like an animal. For four to five minutes, and then, they, and then at night time, they give you your 15 minute shower. That is wild. <laughs> wow, that's crazy how dogs get treated better than human beings. Well, mm. yes. So, what is the medical services like if there's any medical services? Oh my God. Oh man. I had a hernia. I had three hernias. I had one in my stomach and two in my right and my left testicles. And they were hanging, and they were big, and one was hanging in my stomach. I was in a wheelchair, and I, I wrote to medical and got denied, denied the surgery until I went to another camp, and the nurse seen it, and she was like, she, she cussed. She was like, oh, hell no. Wow. Mr. Ryan, there's no way that they denied you this surgery. And she wrote this grievance for me, an emergency grievance. She wrote it for me, and I signed it, and I sent the doctor that Thursday. That Monday, I was in the hospital. Yeah, you could have died from a hernia. And you yeah. had two. That's crazy. Wow. Mm. See, the medical staff here is a If you fill out a medical form here, it might take you three, four months to get seen by medical here. And that's just to see the nurse or the doctor? It's just the nurse. Wow. How long does it take to see a doctor? Oh, man, it took me six months. It took me six months to get my foot done again. I had, I had surgery on it in 19, and then I had to, get, I had to go again just recently. Wow. And so, what if you have an emergency, like an extreme emergency? How long does that take? Oh, man, if you got a real emergency, I'm just being honest. If you got a real emergency here, we will have to turn up every now and again and kick this door here and beat on these windows and make a ruckus for them to get down here. And then when the guy is down here, he might be having, like, one guy was having a heart attack. And instead of the lady coming in here and then getting the man out of here, she's sitting here trying to question this man. But how can this man talk to you if he's already having a heart attack? Right. And that's like the most critical time, you know, is to make yeah. sure you get them some aspirin and not question. That's crazy. Whew. And then the ambulance 
might take another 20, 30 minutes. 30 minutes, yep. Uh, yeah, and then they have to make sure the camp is cleared and nobody's in danger before they let the ambulance in. Yes. So. Whew. so can you tell me how, what treatment you have received in solitary confinement? Man, I've been oppressed, depressed, stressed. <laughs> That kills me the most, and what really makes me mad is I, I, I want our people to hear this here. When I say this here, I'm telling you what I know for a fact. We are at a prison where it is black ran, and we get treated more worse by our own kind than we do by the white man. I'm just being honest. I'm telling you what I know. Yeah. And it is sad. <laughs> yes, it's sad. I've heard that at a lot of different camps that it's, you know, people of your own kind that treats you way worse than others and you wonder why that is well i told them i told them i i know the answer to the problem i told them some people suffer from a post-traumatic slave syndrome mm -hmm. and then you got some suffering from a stockholm syndrome where you begin to identify with your enemies as being a friend and then you have some that are suffering from the witty lit syndrome as well and speak and on them, it they think, and to them, they think that they're doing the job. Mm -hmm. They got stuck and in that I'm Jim Crow era. Yes, and so I'm being honest. We're, we're being more handled by our own in here at this prison that I've been at. And I've been here since last year. And the white man is not bothering us here, man. It's, it's, it's our own. They talk nasty to you. If you Treat say you something bad, man. Yeah, if you say something bad, they write you up. They're going to lie. Mm, mm, mm. So how long have you been incarcerated total? Oh, man. Ooh. Total, I've probably done about 30 years at the most. Okay, so you've been there a very, very long time. So from the time you first got into prison until now, have you seen any change in solitary confinement? No. Not one, not an ounce, not, no nothing? No, nothing, <laughs> no. Because you got to remember, see, when you're back there in solitary confinement, oh, these people can really treat you the way that they want to treat you there because there's no one there to see you. Right, right. And, and you then, can't call out. And then, and then when Riley do come back there, they don't want you to speak to Riley. You know, see, see some of the people be coming from Riley to these prisons, they be checking these prisons out, and they don't want you speaking to them. So you can't say nothing, so they don't know what's going on. Well... No, I have to say this here. No, Raleigh knows what's going on, too, but I just told you. The system is not going to never go against the system. That's one thing I found out. The system ain't going to never fight against its own. Yeah. It's going to always go with its own. And they have a policy here in North Carolina is, it's whatever the officers say that you did, oh, you did it. Whether it's a lie or not. Mm. See, a lot of people don't know that. But I, I have heard... You know, that they do take up for their own and they write certain stuff and they have certain other people lie about certain stuff when it comes to write-ups. Um, just to yeah, make it look... When it comes to write-ups, grievances, mm -hmm. when it comes to writing grievances, and you send it to Riley, Riley don't never come here and investigate it themselves. They just go by... All thing Riley is just going by is what these people are telling them. Yeah, because it goes in-house first. And then they might send it to Riley, but if they do send it to Riley, it's wrote up a certain way so that Riley, of course, sides with them. Exactly. Every single time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're trying to 
just bring awareness and fight through this this system um because you know i i don't believe people should be treated any kind of way um there's you know i feel like you have politicians and other people that commit crimes and they're never caught and that's you know nothing's ever done but you got people in our communities that are torn from their families for crimes they didn't commit or crimes that was forced on them because of what was in their community and what was around them. Basically being exactly. a product of their community got them Environment. Exactly. Mm -hmm. incarcerated. And we all know well, that I just, I just know we just, you know, they just know that we as black and brown bodies have always made them money. So that's why they keep us incarcerated for free labor so they can get what they need and they not have to do anything, but then turn around and tell us that, you know, we're only three fourths of a man or, you know, you're a slave, you commit a crime, you know, you know how it goes. Oh, yes. So that's another thing I try to tell the people, too. And I have to tell it to my mother. You know, my mother thinks that this system is just so correct. And I tell her the only reason why you feel that way, because you have not been in it. Mm -hmm. But once you experience it, then you see it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Then you see yeah, all we, the wrong things. And we got a lot of our people out there in the world that feel that same way. But like I said, they only feel that way because he hasn't hit their house yet. Right. And some, and it might not. It, but that's why we got to bring does, it to them. Yeah. And, and then when it does, oh, that's when they want to cry. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. You have 60 seconds remaining. But, you know, I try to tell them, man, this is something greater than, than what we think. I try to tell everybody, we're the commodity here. And yeah. we're being sold from plantation to plantation to work. To, him, to be enslaved, and that's what I call this. I call this a plantation. It I'm is. at Master Warren's plantation right now, so I don't know where they're going to ship me at it again. But well, I thank you. Is. I thank you. I thank you so much for sharing your story, and we appreciate it so much. Minutes. You have been so insightful. Oh, oh, yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank, no, thank you. We need more people like you in the community that does this. I, I'm going to do it. As, until I die, I'm going to do this. Cause this is what it's about. Oh yeah, hey man, we love you. I do. Well, there you have it. You've heard what solitary confinement can do. You've heard that there has been no change within thirty years. This is why we bring awareness so that people can understand who don't understand what our loved ones are going through. Just because you commit a crime does not mean you have to be tortured and treated less than animals. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that wonderful interview by Mr. Rhines. Yes, because it was very inciting. <laughs> <laughs> very Mr. insightful, Ryan, though. I'm telling you, the man, he elaborated on some good points. I mean, especially his medical treatment and you're also saying he was being treated like an animal. I mean, like, as I said before, you would come out into a cage as if he was a dog in a dog kennel. He did a lot of pacing. So then let you know that how his, how designed he was up, he was stressing. And mm -hmm. um, he also brought up the issue of racism. <laughs> you mean blackism? Yeah, blackism. Everybody want to scream the white man, but it's a black ran prison, and uh, they said they uh, mistreated him the worst.
about what we've all been through as a black and brown population, the years of slavery and just destruction of our community through the white man, but then you turn around and have your own continue that destruction and it seems like it's ten times worse. Let me ask you this. Do you think prison is able to be controlled without solitary confinement? should be a holistic approach to mental health because I feel like keeping people peeled up is also keeping an ongoing overdose as well as people being strung out. Um, And I think that it makes your symptoms 10 times worse. Your symptoms, when you have mental health, it it intensifies it. It doesn't make it better. It it intensifies it. Um, I also think that they need to start thinking about having more family interactions And even with people who don't have families, like having people, there's a lot of people that want to come in and visit people who are incarcerated, who don't have family members, who want, who want to connect, who want to build that bridge and build that relationship. And I feel like adding that in as well, instead of suppressing them from their family members and just the general public, I feel like if they add more activities where the families and and people on the outside who want to volunteer can come in and work with them, I feel like that gives them another purpose because a lot of times, you know, when you're in prison and you lose family or you lost family because of the things you've done, you feel like you have no purpose. Nobody, you know, will ever want to be around you and you just go in the spiraling and that's what causes people to act out. So I just think that they need to, instead of thinking about ways to suppress, think of ways to help these people grow and stop just letting them out on the street right out of solitary confinement. Like, how is that going to make the public safe if you're supposed to be Department of Public Safety? Right. That's true. That's definitely true. 
the, I mean, because they were a Department of Corrections before, and it was still, excuse my language, but shitty, so I don't, I mean, let's just hope with just, like, the force of the advocates now, and the advocates, and the activists, that we can force things to be a lot different up under Department of Corrections, and not how it used to be. Yeah, I think if you do, if you start people with teaching them how to regulate their bodies, stimulate their vagus nerve, and calm their fight or flight, then you won't even need disciplinary. I mean, you might, you got some people who are just in a severe mental health condition where they don't even need to be in prison. They need to be in a facility that's going to take care of them. But the ones that are able to grasp their mental health, there needs to be a holistic approach and not just throwing you on medicine and having you talk to somebody, which you can't even talk to anybody in prison like that. So they just throw you on medicine. So, I mean, that's not, medicines just cover up your symptoms, but a lot of times the mental health medicine, right, it, it, it increases it. Like it doesn't make it better. It increases your, your thought of um, wanting to kill yourself or wanting to harm somebody else. Like you, that's not what you need. You don't need increased intense, harmful thoughts. You need peaceful thoughts, positive thoughts. Right. And just have them just strung out, like <laughs> in a whole different world. Like that's not that's not healthy or normal either. Well, yeah, I would say that um, health for the mental <laughs> it should be a priority in fixing this problem. A very priority, because you know my motto: if your brain ain't healthy, your body ain't healthy. If your mind ain't yeah. healthy, your body ain't healthy. I'm just thinking, like, uh, how do we get do we get people to do surveys? Because it's like I guess that they kind of categorize you on the nature of your crime. As far as surveys, like they treat you for yeah. solitary or just trying to get surveys in general. Well, for mental health, like I guess, like if you ain't here locked up for murder. You know what I'm saying? They're going to treat you like a murderer, but they don't know if you was defending yourself. They don't They don't really know, like, the cause of it. Well, I think, you you. The, the, I think the intake process, when they do, because I think they, don't they do some type of mental health evaluation? That needs to be more in-depth. It's not in-depth enough because they don't know if you're autistic, if you have a learning disability. They don't know none of that because they don't test for none of that. They just give you, like, a basic probably a couple questionnaire intake form. Right. So evaluation would be one of them. Yes, evaluate when they first come in. I mean, if you ask me, it needs to start in jail and continue in prison. But if you can't get it in jail, it definitely needs to start in prison when you first are processed. And it needs to continue until you leave. And even after you leave. Do we have an email address that people can make comments on? 
Yes, we do. We have, you can always email blacklight at emancipatenc.org. That is blacklight at emancipatenc.org. Don't forget to sign up for Emancipate NC's newsletter. Uh, we would love to hear y'all comments about what y'all think. About this show. <laughs> yeah, yes. about this show right here. That's what we about this episode. All solitary confinement. Yes, that was, this was a good one. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Your host, Sierra Cobb. Take care. 